Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke and chapter number 8. The Gospel Record of Luke and chapter number 8. We've been going through the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we've been going through here, we've been studying lately uh, in the middle part of the Lord Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, we're hitting a section where it's showing that Jesus Christ has power and authority over different areas. That we saw uh, that Jesus Christ has power and authority over the storms, the wind and the waves. That he said, peace be still. And they were still. We saw last time that Jesus Christ has power and authority even over the devils, legion of devils inside of the maniac of Gadara. And the next time you see, you see a man who is sitting clothed and in his right mind. And what we're going to see that Jesus Christ also has power and authority over diseases. Jesus Christ has power and authority over death. And Jesus Christ has power and authority to give unto his disciples. And we're going to see that in the upcoming messages here. But Jesus Christ has power and he has authority. And that he is God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. He is God. And with that, as we pick this up, we've been just going in a continual thing of watching what Jesus Christ has done. That he has gone with the wind and the waves and traveling to the G with his disciples to the other side. We see as they landed on the shore inside of Gadarenes that they see the maniac of Gadara and they see him taken care of. No notice with me at the very end of that <coughs> um, that story that the people rushed him off. At verse 37, we're not going to read there, but just looking at it, that, the, that he came back and the people besought him to depart. They were scared. They were, get out of here, Jesus. Please, please. Uh, we don't know what to do with you. So as people do, if they don't understand it, they try to get rid of it. They try to destroy it. Just go away. And so Jesus Christ was ushered away from the shore of the Gadarenes. Well, the other gospel records show what happens in between here. But in verse number 40, where we're going to start off, Jesus Christ returns back to that same land, to that same place where the people chased him off. Now let's see how the people respond to him once he comes back. The gospel record of Luke chapter 8 and verse number 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned back to that land of Gadarenes, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and fell down at Jesus' feet, and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could they be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? 
When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee. Thou sayest who touched thee? Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And while he yet spake, there cameth one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying unto him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed at him to scorn, knowing she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she rose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. And if you have been marking things in your Bible, would you mark the phrase that records the response that Jesus Christ had received when he came back to the land of Gadarenes? In verse number 40, the gospel record of Luke chapter 8 and verse number 40, notice what it said here. The people, <laughs> the people gladly received him. The people gladly received him. And with the Lord's help, we're going to explore what comes on. And I want to do something in just a little bit different way in perspective in just a moment. But we're going to see here that the people gladly received him. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you now, we come to a passage that's just amazing. It's just wonderful. And I know that there's a lot to unpack and a lot to pull out, but I'm asking the Lord that you would just help direct our path and help us to see things as you wrote down and be able to perceive it, to apply it in our own lives. I thank you that you are a miracle working God and that you have authority and power over disease. You have authority and power over the grave. You have authority and power over our starts, our stops, our delays, our waiting. I'm asking that you would help us. Maybe encourage someone right now in this message in something that's going on in their life that they could see you and see what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we go through this passage, I want to do something specific. I want to look at things through the perspective of Jarius. Jarius is this desperate father, and we're going to look at him, and I want to look at things through his perspective, his eyes, because to be honest, we never get an outside view. When we uh, see our life, we usually just see things from our own point of view. We don't see, uh, we don't have all, all the information. We don't see the starts. We don't see the stops. We don't see what God is doing half the time. All we could see is what we have in front of us. And if you don't mind, maybe perhaps we could just look at Jarius's perspective and see the things that unfold from his point of view. The first thing I want to bring to us is a desperate father with a dying daughter. A desperate father with a dying 
daughter. Now notice with me in verse number 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Now this is a change of behavior. Before, they chased Jesus off the shore. Get out of here. We don't want you here. We're scared. Just And they chased him off. Well, during this time, something had changed. What had changed? My personal opinion is the maniac of Gadara. That he was still sitting, clothed in his right mind. And when Jesus left, guess what? It wasn't just for show. It wasn't a temporary fix. That Jesus Christ had made him whole, inside and out. And be able to listen to this man. And to say, look at this. There's something to what Jesus Christ did. This wasn't just turning over a new leaf. This wasn't just a temporary fix. This wasn't him finding religion. There was something different about this. So now that their hearts are prepared. Now... They are wanting to know more about Jesus. Now they can't wait. Uh, Whatever happened to that man, I want Jesus to do to my life. And it's now drawn, not just a few people, but a whole multitude of crowd. And so they heard about Jesus Christ coming back. And they are on the shore, waiting for the ship to arrive. They're not putting a social distance They're thronging immediately after he gets off the boat. They are there in his face. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. So now we learn something about him. We know his name Jairus. He's also a ruler of the synagogue. So we know he is a Jew. And not only is he a Jew, he is one of the teaching Jews. He's one of the purple people in charge of the synagogue. Remember a synagogue is a teaching station for the Jewish people. That every 10 families in an area, a synagogue was supposed to be started. So that way they could always keep it small and keep it manageable to make sure that all the people are getting the care that they need and being taught the word of God. And so Jairus is in charge of this synagogue. And so as he comes out, we know something about him, that he's a Jewish, he's Hebrew, he's a ruler, he has some status, but he has a problem and he can't solve it. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. So notice this. Here's Jairus, who has some ruler, he's a ruler, he has some status. As the crowd is thronging Jesus, they all can't wait to see him. I want to see what he's going to do this time. As Jesus gets off the boat, the people are all there. Jairus makes his way through, pushes his way, and falls down at the feet of Jesus. Just as Jesus is getting ready to take a step, he can't because there's someone in the way. And the man's there at falling at Jesus' feet. Said, Jesus, I need your help. I need you to help me. What is the problem he has? Verse number 20, uh, 42. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. Now, of course, we know some more things. Here's a 12-year-old girl. And by the way, when something tragic happens to any child, it's always heartbreaking. We see children as our future. We see them as our hope. And there's nothing more devastating for a parent to bury a child. As he sees this child, there's a helplessness. We can imagine that he's done everything he could. He's called the physicians. He's probably prayed. He's called all the religious people. He's he's looked for solutions. There's nothing that could have helped her. Nothing. And we know that she's so close to death that she's actually going to die before he gets there. So let's imagine 
rewind the tape just a couple hours before. Someone knocks on the door. Jarius. Jarius says, I can't. I'm with my daughter. Jarius. No, no, no. Jesus is coming. That guy who healed the maniac Gadara. You know that guy now. His family's been in the synagogue for a while. That guy. Jesus who healed him. He's coming back. He's coming on the ship now. We've just got word. He's on his way. He takes his daughter and maybe in your mind, imagine him just kiss his daughter on the forehead and feeling that fevered um, skin, cold and clammy. Maybe she's not responsive. Maybe she makes a little moan. Maybe she's grabbing his hand and daddy, no, 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 honey, I'm going to go get help. And she puts the daughter there, looks at the mother and says, watch her, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get this Jesus guy. As Jarius comes back, as he's walking to the shore, there's a throng of people there. He has to get to Jesus. His daughter is dying. I mean, she's moments away. And he's got to get through the crowd. Do you think that that crowd was a blessing to him at the moment? Do you think all these people to come out to see Jesus, do you think that he was glad to see all those visitors who came out? No. They're in the way. They're in the way. I don't care about these people. He probably didn't care about a single one of them. He just saw them as people that were in the way of his need. And so you could imagine him push and shove, excuse me, pardon me, out of the way. And to get Jesus' attention, he just doesn't talk to him. He falls down at Jesus' feet. I need you. I need you. And so he says, Jesus, my daughter, she's about ready to die. You don't understand. You need to come now. I mean, now, now. Come on, Jesus. And you can imagine Jesus say, all right, let's go. And in my mind's eye, I could see Jarius almost grabbing Jesus by the cloak and pulling him. Because this is a throng here. This is, this is like Black Friday back before, you know, people still did that stuff. I mean, they're trying to get in and everyone's in the way. And do you think he's happy about all the people that showed up? No, they're in the way. Pardon me, excuse me. Get out of the way. Don't you see him? He's trying to do everything he can. But of course, the crowd doesn't care about Jarius. They're trying to get a hold of Jesus. So as Jarius is coming through, again, in my mind's eye, I could see him trying to drag Jesus. The crowd is trying to touch Jesus. And it's trying to pull them against the wave and the crowd. And there's a lot of people, and so much that we'll see in just a second, that everyone's touching him. I mean, there's no social distance here. They're just all, everyone's trying to get a hold of Jesus. They're just bumping. It's trying to pull. Jarius gets move. Get out of the way. I need to get over there. Come on. Stop. Leave him alone. Can you imagine him saying all this? Trying to get a bullhorn and disperse the crowd and it's not working. And the most precious thing in his life is his daughter. And he's just trying to get Jesus there. You know, God does things when we're desperate. There are times that we don't even realize our need of him until we become desperate. Maybe perhaps Jairus would have never came out to see Jesus. Maybe he would have just been content on the outside of the crowd. Why did he go through the crowd? Why did he fight that? Because he's desperate. That God has put him at the place of desperation. May we say that? That God's the one who's allowed this? He's allowing Jairus to be desperate so he could finally get serious about getting God, about looking for him. May I tell you that you may not know why some things are happening in your life, 
But you need to get your eyes past the circumstances and see the God of the circumstances. That I know who holds tomorrow. I know who's putting these things in here. And that whereas I may not choose those things. And if you ask Jarius, would you choose to allow your... No! No! What are you thinking? God allowed it. Because he knew to get Jarius desperate enough that he was going to have an encounter with Jesus. That was eventually going to change his life. But before he could work, he had to get this man desperate. Desperate. Have you ever been desperate? Has there ever been something that's happened in your life that made you desperate? And that desperation made you exhaust all the options? Finally, you have no choice but to look up to God? God, everything else failed. Gail, God, you're the only person I've got left. God says, that's what I've been waiting for is you'd finally to come to me. For you to finally give up and realize these other things aren't solving it. I'm the one you need. Here is a desperate man with a dying daughter. And because he's finally desperate, he's now looking for God that he would have never done any other way. Not only do we have a desperate father, we have a divine delay. A divine delay. Now, again, let's look at things through Jarius' perspective. He's trying to push the crowd out of the way. They're all... Come on, Jesus, get out of the way. Stop touching him. Move him around. He's trying to do everything he can to bring Jesus. I've got to get to my daughter. You don't understand how fatally sick she is. She is moments away. We, have, we don't have a moment to waste. You can't preach a message. You can't ask him a question. Leave him alone. And just pushing his way. As the crowd is thronging, here's a woman who sees her chance. She's also desperate. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Now notice we learned something about this woman. She has an issue of blood. There's something where blood is continuing to bleed from her body and it won't stop. According to Jewish law, because of this, she's considered unclean. And she's technically not supposed to have any kind of uh, participation, any kind of fellowship with people of the town. She's supposed to be separate. So because of her disease, it has caused her to be an outcast. Because of her disease, uh, she is shunned, set aside. Because of her disease, she has lost everything. That she's gone to physicians. She's trying to get them to help. There's nothing they can do. Nothing whatsoever. Earlier that morning, probably someone came up and knocked on wherever she was at. Hey, did you hear? Jesus is coming back. Oh, isn't that the guy that healed the, the maniac? Yeah, that guy, he's coming. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is my chance. Oh, and now begin because of the way that she is raised up. She's approaching things different. Jarius is used to being in charge. Jarius is used to people listening to him. So he goes straight up to Jesus. This woman is used to being overseen, asked, outcast, ostracized. So instead of falling at Jesus' feet, she comes with a different plan. If I could just touch him. If I could just touch him. Now interesting enough is the numbers. She's had an issue of blood for 12 years. Here's a 12-year-old girl, same age. Not that it means that much, but it's interesting that she's been suffering through this illness as long as this girl's been alive. She's pretty desperate herself. She's probably tired of this. She's lost all of her wealth, all of her finances. She's ostracized. 
If I could just get a touch. If I could just get a touch. So notice if it goes on, verse 43. And the woman having issue of blood, 12 years, which had spit all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. So here's this woman. She's going through the crowd and you can almost imagine that she's kind of ducking in. Don't see me. Just if I could just get to him. Come on. And she's trying to do it stealthily. She's just trying to, if I could just touch him. That's all I need. She doesn't try to get his attention. She's not trying to talk to him. If I could just touch him. So she's weaving through the crowd, just trying to grab and almost got it. There we go. And instantly once she touched him, her issue of blood staunch. Now, for someone who's suffering through a disease for 12 years, and then the first moment feeling relief, that is something. Something to this. Now, may I also remind you that his garment was not magical. But he is God. And she had faith that if I could just get to Jesus, he will take my problem. He could take care of it. He could solve it if I could just get to Jesus. Both of them were desperate. Both of them had the same idea. If I could just get to Jesus, he could take care of it. Nothing else has worked. Now, let's turn things back over. Let's go to Jarius. So Jarius is pulling Jesus. The crowd's all around. Come on, stop. Let's go. Then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. Do you think he wants Jesus to stop? Do you think this is a blessing to him right now? Notice what happens, verse 43. And Jesus said, who touched me? So Jesus just stops. Come on. Who touched me? And he turns around and looks around at the crowd. Do you think Jarius really cares? Nobody's answering Jesus. Let's go. Doesn't matter. Let's go. Come on. No. Who touched me? Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and thou sayest, Who touched thee? Everyone's touching you. Come on. What do you mean, who touched me? Come on. You know, they're almost like, you know, who, who poked him in the ribs? Who, you know, nobody, everybody's touching you. Come on. And Jairus is like, Listen to them. Let's go. Nobody's answering. Let's go. No, 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 no. We're stopping until this is taken care of. Do you think that's the answer Jairus really wants to hear right now? We're stopping. We have to go. No, no, we're taking care of this. Verse 46. And Jesus said, someone had touched me, for I see that virtue has gone out from me. This word virtue is an interesting word. It carries the idea of miracle working power. That this virtue touched him, this miracle working power came out of him. And again, it's because of... Um, it's because of her faith that she trusted God. If I could just touch God. And that faith, of course Jesus knows who touched her, by the way. May I also tell you this, that he's not asking because he's looking for an answer. He's looking for her to admit to it. Because he's trying to teach the crowd. More importantly, he's trying to teach Jarius something. You know, it says in the Bible that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But so are his stops. The stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so, as Jesus stops and says, no, no, someone touched me. Someone just got healed. Jarius, you can imagine, in my mind, well, good job, good for them. Let's go. Come on, I need your, come on. No, no, no. Who touched me? Someone admit it. 
And remember, this woman's timid. This woman doesn't want any attention. And so this was not just a quick, you know, oh, that was me. There was a time where everyone's looking around. And it's getting uncomfortable. Because this woman's not coming out if she had any other way of escape. It got uncomfortable where everyone's look, just looking. Who touched him? What is stuff? Jarius is not happy. Come on, just, he's not moving till someone, come on, tell someone. That's probably not helping matters. No, 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 don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me. Finally, it got uncomfortable enough. She steps out. Again, Jerry, why'd you waste so much time? Just a minute, let's go. No, God's still dealing with her. Notice if you don't mind in verse 47. And when the woman saw she was not hid, meaning she tried to hide and try to be quiet when saw that we're not moving until she finally admits it, she came trembling. She's scared to death. What are these people going to do? What's Jesus going to do? Is he going to take it away from me? What's going on? Why is everyone looking at me? There's some of you who if people just stare at you long enough, you'll start trembling. She came trembling, fell down before him and declared unto him before all the people what cause she had touched him and immediately she how she was healed immediately. May I pause there? That, the Bible summarizes that in like a statement. She probably told the whole story. And Jairus doesn't want to hear the story. Shut up. Get to the point. Come on. Who cares? You were healed. Good. Period. Let's go. You'd imagine him impatiently waiting. Patiently. Kind of like some of you wait, right? Come on. Hurry up, God. I'm waiting. For, come on. Anytime now. Come on. God's trying to work with Jarius through this. That's the whole thing. He's trying to work with this man here who doesn't understand what God is doing. You see, desperation brought him to the place where he realized he had a need of the Lord. But it was the divine delays that God worked with him thoroughly. You know, God uses delays in our life to work with us thoroughly. There may be something that you believe that God wants you to have. You know that it's eventually going to come, but it's not here. God's trying to see how you're going to deal with the waiting. There's a lot about the, the Bible says about waiting on God. Did you know that waiting on God is the ultimate form of worship? It means you trust him. Now, when I define waiting on God, that's not like, come on, God. But it means the idea that God knows what he's doing in his time and his place. He's going to bring it across. It doesn't mean that you stand there doing nothing, by the way. It means I'm going to do what God's told me to do, trusting that he is going to do what he said he was going to do. That's the ultimate form of waiting. And by the way, that is probably the type of form of worship that we are the worst at. We don't like to wait. We want to hurry up. We have an instant society. You have microwaves, instant breakfast, instant lunch, instant whatever else. If you're like me, I, if there's more than three people in the drive-thru line, I'm leaving the drive-thru. I'm just, we're just in that society. We have more uh, time-saving devices to put more stuff into time. We're just in a hurry. We're always instant. It's got to happen now. It's got to fix now. And God never works on our time schedule. And he purposely causes waiting to see how we will respond to him. Will we respond in the flesh? Come on, God, let's make it happen. Or do we respond by faith? You understand there's two ways to live your life. You live your life by force or you live your life by faith. You guys remember this old toy, right? You know, you could learn a lot from these things here. 
I could take a little circle thing and I can make it fit through the square hole. It's not what it was intended to do, but I can make it happen by forcing and making it happen. That's living our life by force. Living your life, making it happen, forcing it to happen, doing what you have to say, doing what you have to do to make something happen in your life. Or you can live your life by faith by saying, I'm going to trust that God is going to do what he's going to do. By the way, the faith life is the easiest life. It's the less stressful life. I can trust God to bring things in his timing. I can trust him. That's the idea of waiting on God. If you have a hard time waiting on God, it's honestly because you have a hard time trusting him. Can you trust him? God is putting this divine delay to teach Jarius that God is in control this whole time. Think about our prayers. How many times in our prayer we're trying to get God to hurry up? God, hurry up! God, and we may not use it that way. We try to be more refined. But when we boil it down, God, hurry up, get this done. God, hurry up, get them saved. Come on, I need, you know you get him saved. God, hurry up, fix my husband. God, fix this up. God, fix this situation. God, fix this problem. God, and we, we're trying to hurry up God. And God says, I've got this thing. I've had this handled the whole time. You know, they tell us that when you go fly on a plane, that when you start in turbulence, to know whether you're in danger or not is to look at the stewardess or the steward eye or whatever you call the boys that fly. And what you're supposed to do is that if they're still serving drinks and they're still uh, smiling and handing out things and you hit turbulence, you know you're fine. But you hit turbulence and they're running to put on their seatbelts and they're holding on, you know you're in trouble. Well, the same thing's true about us. That as long as we look up to heaven and see God sitting on the throne, we know everything's going to be all right. We may think that we're burning down and running like chickens with our heads cut off. But God, it's been fine the whole time. God is not in panic mode. He is not fretting. He's not pulling out his hair. He's not rubbing his hands. He's not wringing his hands. He's not pacing. He's sitting on the throne. Everything's all right in my father's house. Now in Jairus' life, everything's not all right. But you know, here at Jesus, who is God robed in flesh... Everything's still under control. He is fine. Everything's going to work out. God knows the end from the beginning. He's not, hurry up, woman, come on. Jarius needs me. We're going to heal it or it's going to be too late. There's no such thing as too late with God. He's always on time. He knows what he's doing. Jarius does not know this yet. And he is not happy. Shut up, woman. Do you think the healing of this woman was a blessing? You know how often it is when we get in a hurry, we can't enjoy God's blessings on other people, the victories that other people are going through, the things that they've struggled through and they see victory through, and we can't enjoy, we can't rejoice in what God, you know, we should be saying, praise the Lord that God healed this woman. This is 12 years and God healed her. Praise the Lord at what God can do. Even in our own lives, we get so selfish and looking at our own problems that we can't even rejoice in what God's done in others. Because we, Jarius sees this woman as an inconvenience and misses the blessing. I got to hurry up. Shut up. Let's go. And she tells the story. And again, he's probably on. On. <laughs> Come on. And so he deals with him. God's dealing with divine delay. Notice verse 48. And he, Jesus said to her, daughter, 
be of good comfort. Which is encouraging right now because she's trembling and scared. Be of good comfort, you're fine. Thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. With a relief, she gets up and, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And she goes walking away. Half the crowd's watching her. Jairus sees this. Let's go. Come on. Just, you know, as she's getting up, let's go. Let's get my attention back on me. I need you to take care of my problems. Stop taking care of everybody else's problems. Take care of mine. Let's go. And now we see not only the diseased woman, a divine delay, but then we also see here God's working in this family. Notice with me, if you don't mind, as we now switch it over in verse 49. And while he, Jesus, yet spoke, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. All the worst news that he could have had just arrived. Don't trouble the master. She's dead. It's too late. You missed your opportunity. It's gone. What? After all of this, do you think that he was really happy with that woman of the issue of blood right now? It's her fault. My daughter would have been healed if it wasn't for her. We're so quick to blame other people instead of trusting God. God knows what he's doing. But he just sees the delays and he sees the obstacles and he's looking at the circumstances and he doesn't have his eyes on God. He's just looking at what he sees and what he has. And he's missing this faith idea. Verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not. He looks at the guy, fear not. Believe only and she shall be made whole. Now Jesus knew what he was talking about, right? It may sound like hollow words to Jairus at this time. Believe. Made whole. You just said she's dead. All right, well, let's go. And so they go, verse 51, and when he came into the house, he, Jesus, suffered no man that came in except Peter, James, and John. So you can imagine this big crowd and he sends most of his disciples and keeps them out, probably a smaller house. And so you have Jesus, you have Peter, you have James, you have John, you have Jairus and you have his wife and then you have the dead daughter. And the father and the mother and the maiden, verse 52, and all wept. Imagine the heartbreak now of Jairus and his wife pulls his wife close. She's sobbing uncontrollably. He's probably sobbing, but it's probably a lot of out of anger. I was so close. So close if it wasn't for this woman. If it wasn't for Jesus entertaining. If it wasn't for this. If it wasn't for the crowd. It wasn't, she could have been there. It was so close. It was snatched out of my hands. I just... Oh, that pit in the stomach, he's, he's upset and he's uncontrollable. The emotions are going on. And all wept and bewailed her. The idea of bewailing carries the idea of not just unsob, uh, unceasable sobbing, but it carries the idea of the moaning and the crying that goes with it. Why, God, why? I almost had it. Lord, why? And the desperation, the delays have all about broken this man. Then Jesus says, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. The wrong thing to say to Jairus right now, because he's looking at a dead daughter. He's looking at a dead child. He could tell the difference between dead and almost dead. She's dead, dead. Notice their response. Now emotions are involved. 
We can understand emotions. We can understand when our emotions are involved, we don't respond properly. And they laughed him to scorn. He dared speak up. (laughs) Don't cry, guys. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. You out of your mind? You can't tell dead. I thought you were. You can't tell. And they started to laugh at him to scorn. This idea of scorn carries with it the idea to do harm with their words. Have you ever been so emotional you try to hurt people with your words? They're doing their best. Listen, you're supposed to be the all-knowing master and you knew my daughter was going to die and you let these people delay and you did this. You could have saved her and you did not. It's your fault. It's your fault. And Jesus took it. Aren't you so glad that we have a patient master that when we're foolish and silly and emotional that God takes it and he listens to us? He allows it to get out and he doesn't hold us against us. Jesus could have said, all right, if that's how you want to go, I could have healed her. See you guys later. He could have done that. He could have responded to their response, but he did not. He took it, listened to them. They knew he was dead and and they're laughing at Jesus and hurting him with the words. Verse 50, and he put them all out. Now that's a pretty amazing statement. He tells them, get out. I need you to get out. Peter, James, John, take them out. I'm going to do a work. Get out. So you can imagine Peter like, oh man, I'd rather be outside now. (laughs) How in the world are you going to get a grieving mother and father who have their child just die and get them out of that room? That's a hard task. Get them out. They're upset. They're yelling at Jesus and... Probably still yelling at Jesus as Jesus, as Peter's trying to come out. Let's go. Probably John, you you're, you're nicer. You grab the lady. <laughs> you just come on. Getting them out. And then Jesus took her, the maid, by the hand and said, "Maid, arise." And her spirit came again, and she rose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. This is. A jaw-dropping awe. Wow. You know, Jesus knew what he was doing after all. In fact, Jairus technically received a greater miracle. What's bigger miracle? Having your, healed, your child sick and healed or having her risen from the dead? He got to experience a bigger miracle because of God's delay. At the moment, it didn't feel like it. Wow, he is God. He didn't know what he was doing. He's not the God who just takes care of us when I'm desperate. And if I just beg him enough, then I'll finally convince him to come. God's a God who has everything in control at all times. Regardless of our begging and pleading. Regardless of where we're at. He knows what we're doing. No one knows what he's doing. Our desperation doesn't change his waiting or his rushing. It doesn't make him go any faster. We need to mark that down sometimes. Our begging doesn't make God work faster. He knows what he's doing. He's in control. He has power and authority over sickness. He has power and authority over death. He knows what he's doing. Notice in verse 56. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Now, this is a big miracle. Why in the world wouldn't you tell everyone what was done? For a practical reason. Jesus didn't want everyone going to the graveside and digging everyone up and saying, hey, here's grandma. She's been dead for 20 years. Can you heal her? I miss her. 
I mean, that's, there's a practicality here. Uh, not the idea that he's trying to hide what he's doing. He just doesn't want people to go in the grave. But here, Jarius learned something about Jesus. That Jesus knew what he was doing the whole time. And we need to learn that ourselves too. Again, as you look at it from the whole perspective, Jesus did a miracle on the woman and Jarius couldn't enjoy it. Here's all these people that went out to see Jesus and they gladly received him. Jarius couldn't enjoy it. When Jesus is doing all these things, he could not enjoy it because he didn't have faith and trust that God knew what he was doing. Dear friend, how many of us, that's us. Maybe in the last week you've had something where you've, come on God, why don't you hurry up? Maybe there's something in the past that you just look back and say, that was me, that was me. We can't do anything about the past, but what we can do is to make a decision and move forward. Maybe have those reminders. Keep in mind that we need to keep our eyes off the circumstances and upon the God of the circumstances. Heard of a preacher who was standing in line to see Dr. John R. Rice when John R. Rice was still alive. And this line of people came to see Dr. Rice. And Dr. Rice saw someone he recognized and was asking, so how are you doing? And the guy says, well, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. John R. Rice just looked over his glasses and said, what are you doing under them? Circumstances should not determine our joy. Circumstances do not determine our happiness. Our circumstances don't determine our faith. Remember, God gives us a peace that passeth all understanding. Let's define joy. What is joy? Joy is that peace that God knows what he's doing. That it doesn't matter what storms happen, we can be people of joy because we can trust God. That doesn't mean that we're walking around with a goofy smile on our face all the time. But it does mean in the midst of all the storm, we can have a peace. God knows what he is doing. God knows what he is doing. Maybe you're going through something right now and you say, I don't have that peace. First of all, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? That's the first thing that needs to be nailed down. With the presumption that most of you know Jesus is your Savior, the second thing is you have to purposely keep your eyes on God. In the midst of that circumstance, in the midst of it, can you see him? Do you believe he knows what he's doing? You live your life one of two ways. You live your life by force or you live your life by faith. The faith life is the best life. Waiting on God is the ultimate form of worship. It means you trust Him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530 6308. Once again, that number is 920. 920- 
480-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.